Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So I still have dear friends who I've worked with, who I've put in projects of mine. They put me in projects of theirs, who I met while I was at that front desk. But yeah, I think it was just humble yourself, do a good job, and just stay on your path. And you also got to know when it's time to take that leap. Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball, not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol-studio.com and follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today, we are joined by Jay Lee. Jay, thanks for joining the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. You guys can hear me okay and everything? Yeah, you sound great. You sound great. I got my little little mic set up. (laughs) I love the the podcast look. Yeah, Yeah, I love the piano in the background. You know, man, this is one of the first things that I got as a, as a grown up that I'm uh, extremely, <laughs> extremely proud of. You know what I mean? This thing right here. Yeah. I, I, that's that's my first love right there. Pianos aren't cheap either. That's a good nah, buy. Nah, nah, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> but how yeah. did you uh, how did you go about finding the piano that you ended up buying? Like, did you go through a whole process of searching? Did you have one you already knew you wanted? Kind of, man. And I mean, this is all. I, I always relate things to sports and mm-hmm. and sort of doing that, the nitty gritty and the work. But how I found this piano specifically, my mom, when I was younger, she used to always say stuff like, go look at a house. Go look at, just go to the piano store. Mind you, I was broke. I didn't have no room <laughs> for a piano in a one bedroom apartment. I'm like, mom, I don't know what you're talking about. But it just so happened is one day I was leaving a meeting and I was driving my old car, a little raggedy piece of nothing. And uh, I was just in a good, good mood. And I just, I was, I was driving down Wilshire and I looked up and it was a Steinway store. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to just go in the Steinway store. So I go in there and I hadn't played in a while. And I, I told the lady, she goes, hey, can I help you? I said, you know what? I'm going to just play a bunch of pianos. I'm going to just be here for a sec. And she's like, okay. So I played some pianos <laughs> and uh, she goes, oh yeah, you, you, you clearly trained and we talked you know where'd you go to school mm-hmm. and where'd you study etc cetera, etc cetera. so i found this one piano i love right and at no point have i looked at the price tag on nothing i'm just in the zone i'm just like it is what it is i'm playing these pianos so i finally go i really like this one it sounded good mm-hmm. and i said how much is it and she goes oh the prices are right there on the on the piano so i look down and i see things and I see <laughs> symbols and numbers. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. I want this piano. I go to the crib. My dad was staying with me. Like I said, one bedroom, one bath apartment. My dad's sleeping on the couch. And I walk in the house mad, excited. I'm like, yo, pop, I found a piano I want. And he's like, oh, okay, how much is it? I'm like, oh, $75,000. But you know, I love it. And my dad goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until that moment that I realized how much... Yeah. 
$75,000. Like I didn't put it together. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, Oh, so if I give you a card, you give me the piano. I give you these, whatever these numbered things are. Yeah. You give me my piano. So of course I didn't have it at the time. Long story short cut to, I get my new place. I had signed up um, for something they have where when you buy a Steinway piano, you can always trade your piano in and, and, you know, so they have these big warehouse sales. So it just so happened because I went into that day. Um, they had a big warehouse sale literally like the week after I got my new place. So I went down to the warehouse at the Steinway big thing. And then that's, I got this piano. That's amazing. And how yeah. did you get into, uh, I was uh, really interested about that. How did you get into playing piano? I mean, I, I read a little bit about uh, your upbringing that you played, you started playing classical piano around like age three. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the story goes, my sister played and I guess I used to wake up in the middle of the night and go down and bang on the piano. You know, I don't remember it, but <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, you wake up and just be banging on stuff. And I was making musical instruments out of everything. And uh, she just started getting, she got me a, a teacher. I was taking lessons with my sister's teacher uh, for like 10 minutes a day and then just found a love for it. But I actually quit when I was six because I wanted to be a kid. You know what I mean? I wanted to play. Yeah. And, and uh, at six, um, I quit. But then I saw this girl on TV playing and I'm like, oh, I'm better than her. So I went to my mom and said, hey, can I take lessons again? And she said, yeah, but if you if you get back in it, you can't quit until you get out of high school. Mm. So she made me make that agreement. And I played all throughout high school and then got a musical scholarship. Mm. And I wanted to quit all the time. <laughs> So Jay, let's uh, take it back kind of to the beginning, right? You're saying, you know, they got you written down as starting to play at three, you know, you're kind of banging on stuff. Tell the tell the part a little bit about yourself, man, like your upbringing, kind of how you became to be and, and what you're doing now. Oh, I don't even, that's a, that's a big, that's a big set. So let's, let's start, let's start with the, let's start with the childhood in the hometown, man. St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised, huh? uh, you know, Midwest do the work sort of nitty gritty show me state that's just uh kind of in my blood the music was interesting because that taught me like the concept of practice and patience and doing the work Definitely. you know and you can't play that thing unless you practice it you know you can't get to the league unless you practice shooting five hundred thousand dollars you know whatever mm -hmm. it is you got to do the work and i think any success i've had now starts from the lessons I learned as a child. You want to be great, wake up and practice. Get home, practice. You want to play with your friends, you got to find time to do the work. So I think St. Louis and being in the Midwest really helped me with that. Youngest of three, my brother's 21 years older than me, complete opposite, you know, he's like a tech number nerd guy. I'm like, Ooh, energy, flow, positivity, chakra shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my sister's like in the middle. She's like the wild child, but she's dope. But yeah, man, just a dope family. Some I come from a family of misfits. Somehow I got out, <laughs> you know? But yeah, that's that's the St. Louis in me. And uh, do you think that having those older siblings and having a brother that's you know, 21 years older, you think that kind of like, helped initiate that drive you kind of see you're kind of watching somebody going through life in a, in a different place than you and, and you know you're much younger so you're you're kind of you know 
I'm, I have all siblings that are in my age, right? So we all yeah. kind of go through everything in the same way. Um, obviously unique to our, our experiences, but you know, we're kind of tr- tr- experiencing life and going through the different stages at the same time. Do you mm-hmm. think having much older siblings kind of uh, changed your upbringing and kind of woke you up to things that are much earlier age? Yeah, because two things. One, my mom had already seen every lie, excuse, yeah. Uh, shenanigan you could think of right so by the time I was coming up trying to get off you know do little sneaky shit she's like look bro I've seen it all you grounded so you're just gonna be grounded every weekend how about that since you want to you want to have a smart mm-hmm. mouth you're not going skating this weekend. <laughs> you know my brother he didn't really feel like a brother to me until I got old so I was a, an adult you know he always felt like a weird father <laughs> figure but he was like I ain't your daddy so <laughs> he's just like you know so he had his own thing going on and my sister, she was a she was the full true gangster of the family. She, man, you talk about a person who does what she wants to do, how she wants to do it, and you can kiss her whole ass if you got a problem with it. <laughs> I learned a lot from her. My sister graduated high school early, went to the Navy, had two kids. Like she just was wow. doing what she wants to do. So I learned a lot from her and my brother. Um, you know, and then I think I'm like this weird mix of both of them. But I think, I think, and then also, you know, I've had family members who had a tough time. You know, I think mm-hmm. we all have family members mm-hmm. who kind of make the those sort of choices and your, your life goes left. So I saw a lot of stuff of like, oh, that's just one decision away from ruining my entire life. So let me just stay on, on my mm-hmm. path. So I think having a family I have, it's cool learning some of that street stuff. But it's also cool being like, yeah, I think I'm going to just go practice yeah. piano right quick. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm going to get in the back of that car, you know. Right. You were talking about, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy you told uh, told us about that street shit because I'm from Chicago, uh, born mm-hmm. and raised. And, you know, having that Midwest toughness and blue collarness, you know, it, it it's really right. a, a positive thing to have. Right. Like being from the Midwest, being from places like Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis. Right. You kind of learn how to grind and get it. Um, but now, you know, tell us about what took you and brought you to LA. Like what took you from St. Louis and, and kind of that path. And I know you're a creative, so I know LA is kind of like the home where you kind of go, you know, there's a lot of avenues, a lot of opportunities, but just tell us how, how you ended up going out there. Music really was the thing. Piano, like I played sports in high school, basketball, track. I was really, really good at track. Mm -hmm. Um, what, uh, what events were you? Uh, I was a 300 hurdler, mm-hmm. four by one, four by two, four by four, broke the record in my 300 hurdles. It okay. still stands every time I go back. <laughs> I make sure my name is still up on the wall. You know what I mean? I'm that guy checking the yeah. checking the stats every yeah. year. Like, where would I place this year? You know what I mean? But yeah, I was, I was pretty cold to track. Um, but music was the big thing. And then when I got the scholarship to go to Indiana University, that was just like, a no-brainer. I, was like, I, I guess I'll go IU. You went to IU? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, Jay. Another, another Hoosier. <laughs> you you a Hoosier? I, no, went, we just, I went to Northwestern. We well, just okay. interviewed. We got, just interviewed got a lot of, of rivalry his, uh, Hoosiers. His former teammates who transferred to Indiana this year. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. So I was I was a Hoosier, man. I was there. I won't tell you when. I'm a little older and probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, went to IU, broke my thumb freshman year, which uh-huh. was the, the big sort of shift in what I was going to do with my life. 
because I, I, I was really good at piano. I just didn't know mm-hmm. if I wanted to be a concert pianist as a career. Yeah. Break my thumb. I'm like, oh, I should probably figure out what I want to do. Right. Uh, and I started taking acting lessons. I was like, or classes. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this sounds fun. So I started taking acting classes, fell in love with it. And then I said, oh, I think I'm an actor. I want to be an actor. And that sort of ruffled some feathers of my high school piano teacher. They were like, what the fuck is you talking about? You know. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, ended up graduating with a double degree, um, piano and theater and drama. Nice. Don't sing. So New York, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Broadway musicals and I don't sing. So I guess I'll go to L.A. And then I just packed up my stuff and drove to L.A. <laughs> so I'm always interested in that. You know, I'm from L.A. So mm-hmm. I never really you know, I went to New York and then came back to L.A. So I don't really have that experience of, you know, just packing my stuff up and going somewhere where you know, I don't know anybody or don't know what to expect. Can you kind of take us through what that was really like for you mentally? You know, being a college graduate is is one thing, but then you're in the real world and you have to figure out what you want to do with your life. And you decide to go do something that's very scary. What was that like for you? You know, I think I've always been blessed with just no fear when it comes to that. So I I think about that 23 year old kid Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of him. Cause yeah. wow. You know what I mean? But at the time I'm like, yeah, it's a no brainer. What I'm gonna do, go back home. It just was so not mm-hmm. an option for me. Um, but, and it just, it felt like, it just felt like a big adventure. You know, I remember somebody asked me in an interview, like, when did you feel like you made it? And I said, to be honest, when I saw the California state line and going back to something like we were talking about that Midwest sort of grind and get it. I said, Oh, if I just work hard and don't quit, I'll make it. Okay. I'm in, you know, so once I, once I got to California, yeah. once I got out of St. Louis, once, and I love St. Louis, I, you know, at some point, maybe I'll go back, you know, but it was to see the California state line at 23. I'm like, um, I'm good, you know, but it is interesting for people that are here. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't think people are flooding the St. Louis. You know, nobody's like, man, I gotta go live by that arch. I was in Italy forever, man. I gotta go get some of that Midwest flat. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it it is. You know, I think it's interesting the way you put it. You were prepared for it. You know, before you even knew it, you were already mentally ready. You know, there was no plan B. There was no going home. You were gonna oh, go yeah. find the place that you know made sense for you to explore your interests and and find your career path. What can you remember? Like one of the first things you did when you got here, when you did cross that state line? Yo, I've look. So okay, two things. One, one of my best best friends, my brother, right, D, he mm-hmm. had moved out to L.A. when we all went to college. So he was in the okay. music. He he had a cousin that was out here, and he was really doing the music thing. So he was like, "I'm going out." So he moved like to the hood of L.A. He was like mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So at the time, he was in Pasadena, right, and okay. he was in the studio. I have my sister, my dad's firstborn. She lives in Moreno Valley, like far east. That's a whole nother longer story, but I hadn't really connected with her for years. I didn't really know her. But when I knew I was moving to LA, uh, I found her, I reached out to her and was like, hey, it's your baby brother. I haven't seen you since I was six, but uh, be in California. So she was like, well, you could crash with me until you get on your feet. But I don't know how far everything is. Yeah. So she was, you know, two hours east of LA. 
my partner Dean's up in Pasadena. That's the way to Pasadena just to see him. So we shake it up, see what's up, say what's up to him. Then I drive all the way back out there. Um, so that was the very first thing. But then like the next day, there's a book. I'm looking at my uh, bookshelf. I bought this book in college. It was called Acting is Everything, like an actor's guidebook to LA. Because my senior year, I kind of curated this, this degree. Um, so my, my basically the, the program we came up with was like film and TV acting. Or we did something we made up, yeah. me and my professor, right? So anyway, there's this book. And in the back of the book, it literally has like where to go, like coffee shops and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. corny stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm going to pull up to the Starbucks that they said <laughs> is in the thing because they said people go there. So I literally highlighted stuff in the book and we'll pull up and just be like, I'm here. Just looking around. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody need me? You know, like Jay, Jay Lee made it, you know, but uh, yeah, that, that was the first thing I did was, and I was already writing. I'd already finished my first script. So I was kind of rewriting that, but also didn't even know I was a writer at the time. Kind of so, stumbling into it. Did, um, that's it. You, how did you game plan that? Right. So now you're out, now you're out in LA. Yeah. How do you make that first step towards finding a career in entertainment? You know, how did you do it? You know, it's beyond, it's, it's literally above me. And the best way I can explain it is I always say your higher path is going to win out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I gotta, I gotta go back for a sec. Go back. Before go I back. moved out to LA, I remember I graduated IU, went back to, went back to St. Louis and I was the musical director for um, this musical West Side Story at this small theater. My mom's friend ran this little community theater and I did this thing. Got paid a little bit of money and I was in St. Louis for a couple months and I'm just paying bills, trying to figure out how to get to LA. And at that time, funny enough, I was playing a lot of ball and I was like, maybe I'll go play like, maybe I can go overseas or something and save some bread and then move to LA. I tried out for like the USBL, like in Iowa. You know, I was like, maybe I'll just play a little semi pro something, you know, mm -hmm. I'll save money, then I'll come to LA. And it just so happened out, um, I was in the back room of my mom's house, apartment, and I was like, man, I was down to my last 200 bucks. And I've told this story before, but last 200 bucks. And I was like, I really want to go to LA. And I just said a prayer. And I said, look, God, like, if I'm supposed to stay in St. Louis, I'll stay. Like, let me, let me know. And that's a tough thing for me to say. But if I'm, if I'm supposed to be here, I'll stay. But if I'm supposed to go, let me fucking go. I was like, let me go. Let me do this shit. Let me chirp out. And I got an answer and I packed a bag. I was like, mom, I'm going to LA. And she was like, okay. So when you say what was the game plan? Yeah. At that moment, there's a higher path formed, right? Now all I got to do is walk the path and the doors will open, okay? Mm -hmm. So I could talk about how I got hired a family guy. I could talk about how, you know, I met such and such and such and such. But the reality is when you set an intention that's really in alignment with yourself, your job is just to continue on. So then you'll find people all of a sudden you'll be like, man, I randomly ran into this person at a train station or damn, all of a sudden somebody called me yeah. and I missed their call, but then I called them back and that led to the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing, you know? So I had no game plan other than believing in myself and getting in the car. That was the game plan. Drive out to L.A. And because I did that, 
the doors just so happen to start opening and they never look like what you think they're going to look like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I didn't, didn't come out to be the receptionist at family guy. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like, nah, I ain't, I'm, I'm about but, to be a star. So, so to that point, not to cut you off, no, that is one of the things that I couldn't agree with more. And, you know, Bacon and I have talked about this before on the podcast, like with some of our guests and just from my experience, you never know. It's not linear. The path is not linear. You, it's never going to go how you think it's going to go. It's going to take you on some wild journeys. You're going to do some things that you never thought you would do. Right. But, you know, kind of the higher path, like you said, you know, whatever you're supposed to do, I believe you'll end up doing because you'll, you'll kind of follow that. Um, yeah. But you have to give in. It's, that's the toughest part. You have to yeah. kind of give in to like, hey, I'm going to do something and I don't know what it's going to end up meaning for me, but yeah. I'm just going to do it anyways and we'll see. Yeah, especially hoping, in that industry. I was, I was, I was, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I was expecting him to say he was in Starbucks and he was sitting there looking around and a director just came up and said, hey, Yeah, you know what? I like yeah. your face. Yeah, that would have been my, you're my guy. Yeah. That would have been starring. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what didn't happen? That, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of no bullshit. It was even as I say, Yeah, California State Line, I made it right. I'm about to pop. Do you want a job as the receptionist at a cartoon? Maybe you ain't hear me, God. Yeah. I said, I want to go out here. But I remember what I asked for. And what I asked for wasn't, let me go out there and be famous. Let me go out there and be an actor. I, I remember very specifically saying, if I go out there, let me do it like it's never been done. And for whatever that means for me. So at the time, I don't know I'm a writer. I don't know I'm a director. I don't know I'm a producer. I don't know I'm about to have my own company. I, none of this stuff is in my in my mm-hmm. sight, I'm just like, yeah, I want to be an actor, but there's a higher calling. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I had to go. The reason why nobody at Starbucks goes, oh, that guy's got a face is because that wasn't a part of my plan. What was a part of my plan is sit your ass down, validate this parking, but you're going to meet Seth McFarland. Mm-hmm. Sit your ass down. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to meet this person and this person. So like, it felt like it was completely opposite, but it was all like just adding to my bag, you know? And I can say that with confidence now. Yeah. And the big thing back to what you were talking about too, Jake, is like, I could have easily quit. Man, I ain't trying mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally validating parking for famous people I'm trying to work with. Those jobs Damn. are brutal. I've done them. You're, doing some, you're putting somebody's license plate on. You're cleaning out their, their frozen refrigerator that they never cleaned out. And, you know, food is spoiled and you have to get in there. Like, it's not a, you know, it's not a fun job, but you got to do it for the work and to have that, you know, to get in that door, you got to do whatever you can do to get in that door. Humbling, but you got to do the work. Was there a um, culture shock moment going to LA for the first time? Uh, Had you ever been to LA before uh, originally dropping? I came out here, my cousin uh, went to SC, ran track Uh at SC. So I came to visit him one time, like, when I was like 18 for spring break. Mm-hmm. But that was just on some like fun stuff. Right. No culture shock. Well, just so yeah. <laughs> all right. Here's a funny basketball culture shock moment. You know, you see, you hear LA and you hear about gangs and all that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. So I'm playing ball. And at the time, I was sleeping in my car because, again, my sister lived two some hours east. Mm-hmm. I get hired at Family Guy. That commute was kicking my butt. It literally was like, I, I don't even have enough money to keep filling up my tank. I'm going to just sleep in my car. So I slept in my car for like six months and I would go out there on the weekends. But what would happen is I get off work, go hoop for like four hours, shower, sleep, wake up, 
shower, go to work. So I'm down there playing. And Jake, you've never seen this side of me. But when I was like, like in it, in it, yeah. I was a problem. Man, <laughs> I, was a pro- I was a problem, bro. Like I had to win. I'm not letting no nonsense fly. Like I was just that dude, right? No nonsense, huh? Man, you, got, you just got holding the ball while people were trying to cheat with the score? Oh, 100%. And I was like, no, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. Like, no, not on my watch. I'll never forget this. I'm playing, and I won't say where it is, but it was a little sketch, you know, but it was a court. And there's sort of a camaraderie and unspoken brotherhood with Hoopers, right? Like, even if you enemies, it's like, okay, we still going to we'll battle, but I ain't going to go beyond that. Yeah. I'll never forget this. I was hoping, and the gym was packed, right? 10, 15 people on the side waiting. You it's know. outside or inside? Inside. Okay. Inside. So I'm playing, and I'm, I'm, I'm cooking, right? I'm not trying to lose neither because it's a two, three-hour wait, and I, man, listen, I need to play ball until it's time yeah. to go to sleep. So I'm, I'm winning until the close. I go down, make a move, score. Everybody start running the other way. The dude I scored on takes the ball out of the basket, not paying attention. He frustrated because he was getting cooked. Turns around, throws the ball in off me, bounces off me. He catches it out of bounds. So I'm like, that's out on you. It's just, these are the rules. I didn't make them up. He didn't step back in bounds. No. Okay. Out of bounds, bro. Ain't no big Mm -hmm. deal. Mm -hmm. He's like, nah, fuck that. And starts walking the other way. Mind you, it's game point. This is the other thing. Game point. So now the 20 people on the side, they don't care who lose or win. They just want to play. Yeah. So he starts walking the other way. And I'm like, where are you going, bro? That's out on you. He's like, no, nah, man. No, nah, no, it ain't. What you mean? No, it ain't. You was out of bounds. You called it out of bounds. It's out on you. His team don't see what happened. So they like, no, nah, sorry, ball. My team, they like, man, just let it go. Uh, We'll get the next one. So I'm literally in the middle of the court with the ball, like, the fuck is y'all on? Like, hell no, this is my ball. Man, I'll trip. So I'm fighting with the whole gym. Cut to, it was this dude. He was in the street life. He came up to me. It was like two or three dudes, right? And they was waiting on next. And he he was like, hey, man, on such and such, he started doing all this shit with his fingers and naming streets and cities and shit. He was like, you're going to get the fuck up off this court, blah, 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 blah. So I look around the gym. I'm like, oh, damn, I don't have no friends here. I said, cool. <laughs> cool. Gave the ball up. I don't even know who won. Because at that point, I was I was out of there. When I moved to L.A., my uncle gave <laughs> this is funny. He gave me this big-ass hunting knife, right? And on some old-school St. Louis shit, he was like, hey, man, you ever get into it, stick this into the rear, right? So I had this <laughs> big-ass, like, hatchet damn near. You took it with you? What you? Yeah, what you mean? <laughs> what you mean? Game ends. I was like, okay. It was raining. I remember it like it happened two seconds ago. I grabbed my bag. I went to the car. I pulled the car around to the entrance. I grabbed his knife. And I'm sitting there like, I think I got to kill this dude. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. And I feel like my life is in danger. So I need to go ahead and just do this now. Just get it over with. When I tell you, Jake. How is your life in danger? You in the car. <laughs> no, no, no. Because mind you, I was sleep. I didn't have a place to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got to come back to this gym the next day. 
I'm this is like where I go after work between 6:30 and midnight. I, I don't know where to go. Right. So I'm sitting in the car. My girlfriend from college just so happened to call me. She's three hours ahead. She'll never call me this late. The guy was like, let me help this little dummy out. So she called. I was like, what's up, babe? She's like, what you doing? You sound funny. I said, let me call. I said, I'm okay. <laughs> I said, baby, I got to call you back. I'm about to stab this dude. And she goes, what? What are you talking about? I said, I don't know. Dude says some, some gang shit. Put his fingers and doing weird things with his hand. I got to go. And I hang the phone up. She called me back. She was like, baby, what, what is going on? And in that moment, I'm like, I kind of snapped out of whatever yeah. had happened. And I was like, oh, man, I'm tripping. So I drive off, sleep. The funny thing about this story, mm-hmm. I swear to God, I didn't see dude the next day. 10 years later, I'm driving down the street across six lanes of traffic. I see the dude at a gas station and it came back up. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was to, like, hold on. You like, the is, knife. <laughs> yeah, is he where, where my hunting knife at? Is he coming from? <laughs> so the only kind of culture shock I kind of had that you just get, you know. <laughs> You get used to it. It's like, okay, I, I speak, the, you know, I know kind of where to go, where not to go. And yeah. You, just, you know, but that shit, because I was on the court, like, I was calling everybody all kind of bitches and hot. Yeah. Shut your bitch ass up. It's my ball. You bump. Like, I was, everybody. And Jake, I've, you ever seen that part? I've suppressed that guy. So this might sound You were in shocking. the zone, man. I, I, I've seen that way too many times in Chicago. People get going, your pride get tested, and they like, you know what? Okay. I got stay right here. Yeah. Stay right. You don't want to hear stay nah, right here. That's, you don't want to clear the gym. If a guy says, that's what, hold on. I'll, I'll be I'll right, right back. back. Yeah. yeah. You Look, stay, stay right And calmly back. too. Calmly too. Hey, <laughs> no problem. Just stay right here. Yeah, right. Don't, don't move. Don't move at all. I was that guy though. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I grabbed my little bag. I went to the car. Mind you, when I, I wish I, I got it over there. The knife is like, it's like a sword, bro. Like it's a joke. <laughs> like, and I ain't know that ain't even. That, I can say it now because I know that I ain't. Even, yeah. That's not me. But in that moment, I really felt like, oh, my life is fully in danger. Like I don't know what's going on out here. I ain't no. finna go there. <laughs> and you and you real. I think that's the scary part, though. Like you realized you were alone. You know, you it had that. that. That's that's probably more of what it was. Was all right. I my back's against the wall. This isn't yeah. like a one-on-one, like somebody said something aggressive, oh, we're going to fight about it. It was, uh, this per- these people just circled me and threatened my life. Yeah. I got oh, to do something we were, to stop it. We were so past hands. And I was mad yeah. at my team, too. I'm like, y'all like, and the yeah. craziest part about it is I was in the right. It'd be different if I was like, yeah, I tried to get over. Yeah. You out of bounds, dummy. <laughs> now I got to bring out my damn... Ninja sword because you better go samurai jack on somebody. You could have just got one more stop. Well, at that point, bro, all I see is red. I ain't worried about (laughs) y'all had a game, dog. (laughs) I ain't worried about nothing at that point. So I had to stop. (laughs) That's funny. You could just slide your feet, Jay Lee. Yeah, you could just uh, lock in on man. I had to go get my motherfucking bow and arrow. Why don't you just play ball? (laughs) Oh man, that's wild. That's a wild experience to have in LA, but I'm sure in, in a lot of ways that kind of like you said, it, it, it woke you up, right? Once you were ready to, to put yeah. it all on the line and, and kind of sacrifice everything that you would work for, it was like, oh shit, I gotta, 
I got to recenter myself. I got to recalibrate a little bit. Let me tighten up. Did you come out here to, let me get this straight. Did you come out here to be the best yeah. at a rec gym and then throw it away? Cause yeah. And now you look at it. Like if I saw that cat now, I'd be like, come here little dude. Not even yeah. talking about me, the other cat. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You probably ain't even in that shit like that. Kid, just yeah. sit down. You know? But anyway, that was that. <laughs> but um, going back a little bit to to your first job as a receptionist, yeah, uh, kind of take us through what that experience was like because, you know, like we've talked about, that's not an easy thing to do to put up with people in and, and Hollywood. And as mm-hmm. that, in that role, you deal with a lot of shit, a lot of yeah. nonsense, people being rude to you. How do you... How did you get to that place where you, you know, found yourself in that role and exceeded at it? I think it's just a matter of like, whatever you do, just try to be the best at it. So uh, to be honest, I didn't really deal, deal with a lot of nonsense. Like people didn't really bring in my way, you know, cause I think you could tell I wouldn't, I wouldn't really own that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I was always smiling and I was cool with everybody and I just had a good personality and I treated everybody the same, whether it was, you know, mm-hmm. Seth yeah. or the janitor that still works in the building who I see sometimes, you know, like I would say, what's up to everybody, treat everybody with respect. And that stuff carries on, you know? So I still have dear friends who I've worked with, who I've put in projects of mine. They put me in projects of theirs who I met while I was at that front desk. But yeah, I think it was just humble yourself, do a good job and just stay on your path. And you also got to know when it's time to take that leap. Like after a certain point, I was like, it's time for me to go. You know, I was like, once I started feeling like what am I going to do for money that's when I knew I had to leave because I got so comfortable and I wasn't even making that much I wasn't making nothing I was barely paying my bills but once I was like man I can't leave this job because I need this little bit of money that's when I was like Jay this is exactly when you need to leave because you didn't come out here just to do that so where did you you go yeah sorry Vic go ahead how did you get started with the receptionist job like how did that come up friend of a friend this cat Mm -hmm. named Dave Neustadter who went to IU I didn't know him there he worked at New Line Cinema as like a junior assistant or something. I met him through another guy I met in Indiana, right? And I moved out here. The girl who worked at the front desk, Katie Krentz, who's now a super dope exec, she was the receptionist. She got a promotion. Dave was like, oh, it's this cat that came out. Maybe he needs a job. So he hit me up and said, hey, man, I know there's a job opening. So I just went and applied. I'd never oh, seen man. the show, and I got hired. But literally, it was like, because of a guy I met. You say you had never seen Family Guy? No. Nah. Never? I didn't, know, I didn't know who Seth was. I thought his assistant was Seth for, like, the first two months. This is I, awesome. like, I don't look like this dude. <laughs> he don't look nothing like him. <laughs> but funny, awesome. funny though, the, his assistant, now a super dope creator, created a show called Big Mouth. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Goldberg, mm-hmm. super cool cat, like. I thought Andrew was Seth forever. <laughs> Funny how the world works. You know. So once um once you decided it was time to leave that job, where did you go next? I had a, a show I was writing. I was playing piano and I was doing like some monologues or whatever. This one man show, which I thought was the best thing in the world, which was not, but it was something. But it gave me a target date. So let's say I left in like February. I knew my show was gonna be like September, but I didn't go anywhere, right? I had all these scripts I had written and a lot of heat and things that people liked. And I was waiting on some stuff to come in, but I, yeah, I, I went nowhere <laughs> and I struggled for a minute. And I, I, I used to go out with Seth 
like no money to my name. Seth be like, yeah, you want to go to this event? I'm like, yeah, broke as hell. But it was cool. Like I was, yeah, I don't know, just fun. So you were in there. And I had friends who who were doing some stuff and like they called me up, like, hey man, you want to come work on this show for a little bit as a PA or something? And I'll go do that. And, but that's again part of the path. So now I'm working as a producer on projects and I'm learning a lot of stuff that way. And then what was that like when you got that first call to, you know, act in, uh, on, you know, on, on a show? To be honest, it was Orville. Like Orville was, I had been in stuff that I wrote and directed. Yeah. But how I got Orville, Seth, literally we were out at dinner and he's like, Hey, I don't know if you want to work on other people's projects, but I got this show I created and there's a role I kind of wrote for you. You want to do it? I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I might be busy. Let me think about it, Seth McFarland. Uh, I don't yeah. know. But what's check. funny about that is at the time, it was a show I created. I was really trying to get going. So I really was trying to do that. So this felt like such a deviation from what I was mm -hmm. trying to do. So, of course, I was going to do it. But I also was like, man, I'm really trying to do my own thing. But again, that was also a part of the, the plan. So, but yeah, that's how. I, but for like 10 years, I didn't act. I was just writing and directing and producing my own stuff. Is that something you eventually want to get back to? What, acting or directing? Yeah, would you eventually want to become like a lead writer or director for something? Yeah, it's all, I'm doing all of it. You know, I, there's a movie I got set up, should go next year. I'm doing a concert at the end of this year, just finishing up Orville. I got to actually go in a second because I got to go. No worries. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then uh, what else? Then I got like four scripts that I've completed that TV and film that are still cooking. But uh. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's all cyclical, you know, like one time, one day I might be like, I just want to direct something. Sometimes I want to be in front of the camera. Sometimes I just want to let me produce somebody else's stuff. I don't even want to right. do nothing, put some money up for it, you know, or get yeah. you all the resources or whatever. So, um, but that now is all a part of my company, which is called Run the Point. I, you know, funny there enough, you go. I named my production company as a, <laughs> as a point guard, you know, years ago, I was like, oh, the guy who's kind of controlling yeah. the court, controlling you know, the action. So that's why I named my company mm -hmm. Run the Point. It's kind, of full, it's kind of first full circle. Like you just said, you know, you your journey has been, uh, you know, fluid and you've bounced around and done all these things and you kind of just gave into that, you know, higher power or, you know, it's going to work itself out how it does. So, mm -hmm. you know, the way you're saying you, you're moving now and your company set up, you know, you're going to do whatever is, presents itself to you. You know, you're not yeah, stuck yeah. on something. Yeah. And also you got to get to the point too, for anybody who is listening that, I don't know, is trying to find any kind of inspiration or motivation. Right. I always say if you're, you're, if your desire and your destiny, right. Like if your purpose and what you want fall together in alignment, there's no stopping. Right. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, a lot of people's desire and their purpose they don't see those, they don't, they don't know how to combine the two. They don't know what they are. So like this, also, this could have totally not been my career path. Mm -hmm. When I said that sort of ask, like, am I supposed to stay in, Louis, stay in St. Louis? I, I could have stayed in St. Louis and done something. I don't know. You know, it might not be you. It might be your, your kid who does the thing that changes the world. It might be the person that you inspired to do the thing. Right. But don't get discouraged when what you're trying to go for doesn't happen immediately, mm -hmm. you know, because you're blocking your own blessings. So mm -hmm. I'm at the point now, back to what you were saying, Jake, like allowing, 
you know, once I stop pushing too, and I allow, all of a sudden my phone rings. Hey, I got this one thing. Hey, you want to do this? Oh, we're looking for such and such. Now, all of a sudden, oh, things are cooking. I don't have to force nothing, you know? Yeah. You know, when I first got here, I was forcing everything. Mm-hmm. Like, ah. And it was still working, but I was like, ah. now I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all working. That's the place to be. But, you know, this is a, uh... You know, uh, an athletic podcast, and we got we got to switch it up and get you some some athletic points. You know, we want to sure. keep you too long, but have you been uh, watching the finals? Yeah, you know, give us give us your predictions I, and your analysis of the game. I need I, I'm gonna need CP3 to get that chip. Okay, <laughs> you know, Devin Booker's a, a beast. Giannis mm-hmm. I, ugh, Giannis is amazing. Drew Holiday killing. So, what do you think the Suns winning? Six, seven, hopefully. Okay. Because I think if Giannis don't win this year, he's got plenty more chances. I don't know. You can make an argument that this, uh, this Bucks very, team, like yeah. this is the year. This is the window, right? Well, I don't, it, I'm saying even if he don't stay with the Bucks, like Giannis's oh. career is just. Well, know. he just signed a huge extension. They would have to trade him to, to like get rid of him. Listen, the King Goat LeBron James changed all that up, man. Once he started <laughs> doing them two years. Don't. I don't want to hear no Chicago nonsense because I already know I see your face. I what see do you mean your Chicago face. nonsense? I see your face when I say LeBron James, King Goat. I already know what happened. Oh, man. Jake, you know, yep. we have to do the question at the end. Go ahead. Do it. Question. Are, are we wrapping it up? Yeah, What's the question? It. What's the okay. question? Give, give us your uh, LeBron James. Top, What's the question? Top four all the time. In, in order. You can't, you can't mess around and beat around the bush and say in no particular order. Top four. You got to say top four. Don't Number. care about position? Don't care about position. Number. LeBron James. Okay. Is one. Number one. Mm-hmm. Pause. Why is it taking him this long? What, what is <laughs> the, what could the pause be? Favorite players or best? Name your top four best players of all time. You could you could name you could name any guy you want. You can okay. say Swish Parker if you want to. I mean, why would I do that? Shout I'm just saying you can. I'm Smush just saying Parker. you can if you want. He's trying to, like dis- he's you trying to discredit you. 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 you can if you want. You don't like Smush Parker, bro? Smush Parker started two guard for the Lakers for a couple seasons. Hey, but Kobe, Kobe didn't like Smush Parker too much. No. Okay, like here we go. Ready. Uh, best player. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> We're not going to look at Jake's face. Kobe Bryant. We're not going to look at Jake's face. <laughs> you, look, was, you, you, you had you had the, the wherewithal to look at my facial cues when you said LeBron boom. Goat. When you Yo, said Kevin Garnett and Jake Falls. I, I was shook. Scared. I was shook. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. No, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting Kevin Garnett's career. I just did not expect you to say Kevin Garnett. I know. Three. That's why I, I said it. Yeah, no, it, it got me. <laughs> He's it a Chicago me. guy, so, you know, I have no problem with it. <laughs> KG was KD before yeah, KD. he was. He's a problem. He was a problem. I don't know. About, oh, you should he see was Nick's KD face. KD before KD. Did you see? Did you see Kevin Garnett cook the entire Olympics one on one squad? But he was Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant, though. Seven foot. But Kevin Durant <laughs> before Kevin Durant. Yeah. Who? Who else? There's no other Kevin Durant. What do you mean? I'm saying Magic and LeBron. Okay, Kobe and Jordan. KD. It's not KG and KD. That's, <laughs> it's not, it's not, that's not the comparison. Who okay? Who so there's never been a seven foot player with skill set like Durant? No, do me a favor, go find that video of Kevin. I've seen Garnett. I know what you're talking about. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Was he just that backing people down? Pales in comparison to Kevin Durant. Was he just backing people down? No, he was shooting middies. 
Was he crossing? He was shooting middies. He was shooting three points. <laughs> shooting that middies. You know he's shooting middies. He was Kevin, Kevin Durant is in a league and body type Kevin of his Durant. own. Love that's like Durant. that's like saying there's not really, and and there's not really like a Giannis that you can compare to. Like maybe Shaq, but Shaq still doesn't move the way Giannis yeah. moves. True. You can't. Yeah, really, Giannis like, is his own thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like there's no there's no other Dirk. There's a lot of guys like you can't you couldn't really replicate if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a it was a very interesting top four. Um, no one's ever named Kevin Garnett before, so I think yeah. that is that's amazing. That's a first. I'm just Jay, happy we did it. I'm happy we all into the St. Louis Rams Chicago Bears conversation. I'm we're not happy doing anything. We're not doing the Rams Bears thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy he didn't he didn't get into that. that it never goes well. Yeah, the Bears. I mean, come on, man. What are you? Are you still a Bears fan? He, the Bears are the, the, the day the day they drafted Justin Fields. I got a call. He was screaming at me. The Bears are so fucking back, and they play the Rams week one, and they're gonna lose. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to steal Vic's money. Yeah. Am yeah. I a Bears fan? What a question. Of course, Wrong Bears question. fan, Bulls fan. Yeah. Mike, the, the goat. Last Dance is the best film ever created. Stop. And you can go down a list of things. Stop man. It. You can go down a list. <laughs> We're gonna end it. up. Jay, you don't know what you just started. We're going to end up doing no, this all day. No, so. you know, I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you. And now we can end here. I'm going to tell you why I not only do I know what I started, but let me just help out the people clinging, right? <laughs> do you remember your high school girlfriend? Remember the first time you fell in love, right? Sure. You can't compare that. It's the first love. If you as an adult are trying to chase that first thing, mm-hmm. you're never going to recreate that. And once you realize that, and then you realize where you are can be even better. Now you can appreciate your first love and also appreciate where you are. The people to me who are stuck and won't give King Goat, LeBron James, his due. They're like people who just don't want to, ex- they don't have passports. They don't want to experience life. They're like, man, they I went to passport. Wally's world. They don't have passports. Time. My God, what a comparison. They don't it's have like, passports. yo, have you ever had the double bacon cheeseburger, it's the best burger I've ever had in my life. It's like, have you ever been over? You ever had Wagyu? <laughs> Y'all stuck on this, you stuck on the Wendy's menu. This guy. This guy. I this love guy. that. Because I like both. You've See never had a passport. But I got Jordan and LeBron. I got Jordan one, LeBron two. They're like one A and one B to me. Okay. Yeah. But, but Jordan, it'll always be like this. You, you see this, this little gap? You hear that word? Did you hear what you said? That's why you lose this. What? You said it'll it'll always always. He got that's where you lose. Sure. My man sure. is still you don't have a passport. You haven't sure. had yeah, Wagyu. The, the next you time you the no... next time you go out right and you go to a function, always. send me a picture of you wearing LeBron's. Always, I got him in the. I want no, I want no, I want no, not basketball shorts. I want you in jeans and a nice shirt, and you going out next your next day. You go on, put some LeBron's on. What that do for you? I'm just saying, <laughs> put them on, put them on and send them to me. <laughs> all right so wait and, and when question. your date when the date says why well, you got them on they said that's my goat she should that's understand. my goat. king goat she and she's gonna be like i already know babe she's like that's why i bought yeah, these for yeah, you because okay. she know she know she's like baby matter of fact when we go on this next trip where we use our passport these are the traveling shoes the, 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 <laughs> the lebron 19 <laughs> oh man nah oh, i man. appreciate that healthy debate though hey it's fun yeah. it's always a fun one but jay i know you gotta get going so Appreciate your time. Absolutely. For sure, man. And look, listen, I always say this uh, about, I'll bring it back to sports real quick before we bounce. I always say you could tell everything you need to know about a person, about how they hoop. 
And you could use that in any sort of team sport. If you cheat, you cheat in life. If you work hard, that's how you probably operate in life. We know cats that hoop, they really not hoopers, but they go out there and bust their ass. And I'll rock with them any day off the court. You got cats who got a whole skill set who don't try. They be the people out in the real world like, man, I don't know why I can't get this thing moving because you're not trying. There's people out here working hard, working super hard. You got to stay on your grizzly. So I don't know. I just I always appreciate that. No Fine words, 100%. mate. Yeah. I appreciate Well, that. hey, look, I appreciate y'all, man. And, you know, have me back on when y'all, you know, of course. let me know whenever. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. We'll have you back on. We'll do the whole Jordan debate. We'll just spend a whole hour talking about that. You know, why Vic doesn't have a passport. He's never had a well, I'm wait, I was waiting on him to say he, he plays 2K, but we'll say that for the next episode. Yeah, we could talk about 2K. And I'll tell you, as we leave, if you were to create a player in 2K, you'd create LeBron James and everybody Xbox, like wait, you, Xbox or a PlayStation? Man, Xbox. Let's get off this call. Uh, let's listen. <laughs> that's it right there. <laughs> that was the one? Not that's Kevin it. That's it. It's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm with you, but I know Vic's not. Jay. Thank you so much. Can't wait to have you on again. All right. Take care. Later. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.